0: morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hello listeners of the Asian Madness Podcast. So I thought about whether or not I wanted to do something more on the spooky side for Halloween, but since I hadn't planned for Halloween, I contemplated just skipping it and going with a regular full-length episode. But then I received a message from a listener, Dean Petty, asking if it was possible for me to do an episode about some superstition stuff for Halloween. Then I thought you know what? Why not? It took me a couple of days to come up with content I was more or less satisfied with, and since it was something already on my to-do list, well, why not now? This episode will not be exactly about superstition, per se, but more on the morbid traditions. So thanks for urging this along, Dean. Other than this being a more Halloween-themed episode, as in ghosts and spooky things, I have also added a quick Q&A session in the end of this episode. Feel free to skip it if you're only here for the story. I won't be offended. Earlier last month, I had asked if my listeners had any questions for me personally, and some have asked, and for my second podcast anniversary, I decided to answer them. None are weird or personal, though I'm quite an open book, and to be honest, quite boring. But enough chit-chat, let's get into today's topic. I've discussed the Hungry Ghost Festival. I've also told you about how not to spend nights in hotels. Oh, and you obviously know how to avoid accidentally marrying dead people. Today though, I'm going to tell you what you can do to get rich, find love, look hot and all those other unrealistic wishes you've had since you were able to think. Does it work? I've heard it works, but seriously, I don't recommend. At the very least, it could cost you a limb or your mental health, but it could also cost you your life. This is a kind of sorcery, where the original version originated from Thailand, but has since spread to various other places around Asia. More specifically, Malaysia, China, Macau, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. The English name for this can be called the golden boy, which is translated from Thai, but in Chinese, there's another version of it, which roughly translates to raising baby ghosts. These two concepts are similar, and I will explain their differences later on. The general idea is that the ghost is like your child. You have to care for it. And if not done correctly, well, you will probably regret ever going down this path. Let's begin. So, Thailand. I've never been there, but it's a fascinating place to me. It seems really modern and accepting of people, but on some level, it's also super traditional and superstitious. Very interesting mix. But it makes sense. Thailand is one of the most popular vacation destinations, so it may feel the need to progress and shift a little, but at the same time, they retain their traditional and Buddhist ways. You get the best of both worlds. Now, what is this origin story of this little child ghost or golden boy? Here's the brief version. Legend goes, well, there are people who collect the souls of dead babies. Once a baby dies, there are these kinds of sorcerers who use their so-called power to take the soul of the deceased and put them into a smaller statue or plaque. These plaques or statues then are said to have mysterious powers that can help you advance in life. It's all very fantastical up to this point, almost like having a genie in a bottle. But that's where the similarities end. Despite this being a very well-known item and legend, Most people have never personally come across it, probably for good reason. Definitely not a good idea to dabble in things you do not understand, things that you cannot control. But here's a better version of the story and origin of the Thai version, the Golden Boy. Once upon a time, there was a Thai general, Khun Pan, who existed about 500 some years ago. This general was said to have been very good looking and also possessed some sort of magic, as in, he could make things happen. This helped him a lot in his field as he fought battles, and every battle he was in, he won. It was said that his powers allowed him to see what the enemies didn't want him to see, what the enemies couldn't see, and also would help confuse the enemies If you think about it, he was probably the catch of the century. He was good-looking, meaning women flocked to him. He was brave and very persuasive, meaning men were willing to follow him and fight along his side. The king himself also loved him to pieces and considered him the best general ever. But one day, he would be faced with a dilemma that actually stumped him. The king gave him an order to go destroy a small kingdom, near their border, as that kingdom had been annoying them for quite a while. This was a problem for Kunpan because that was the kingdom his second wife was from. Basically, he would be destroying his second set of in-laws. In-law drama has never been more real. So the general thought about what to do. Did he want to disobey the king and have a happy wife, happy life? Or did he want to obey the king, get more love from his peers, but ruin one of his marriages? Eh, he chose the king over his wife. Shocking. He went home and attempted to keep this plan from his wife, but while he was discussing tactics with his peers, his wife overheard him and was devastated. She also went through her choices. Did she want to pretend she didn't know anything and allow her husband to destroy her family? Or did she want to confront him and stop him from doing this? She thought about her parents and decided that if this was her last decision on earth, she would use it to repay her parents for their love and affection. She decided to murder her husband in the most stereotypical woman method, poison. She made soup that night for dinner and prepared it with a dash of poison, as in poison bay. The general was no ordinary man, we know that, and he immediately sensed something was wrong. He confronted her, mean words were exchanged, and he killed her. But what he didn't know was that she was actually a few months pregnant. He felt remorse and shame for what he did, so he did the next logical thing. He cut her open and took the fetus out. He followed the ways of magic and sorcery and managed to use fire to dry up the tiny fetus into a dry corpse. Since it was a fetus, it was probably small and travel-sized, so that's what he did. He kept it on him at all times. Remember, the general was said to possess magic, and it was also said that he was able to communicate with his dead child. This child would help him out on every occasion so he would continue to win on the battleground and continue to gain wealth by beating everybody else when gambling. It's cheating, but not really. So that is the origin story of the Golden Boy. I mentioned there were slight differences between the so-called raising baby ghosts and the Golden Boy. The origin I just told you about, the general, is what the Golden Boy is about. The soul of the deceased baby was not malicious. When babies die, people believe that the soul of the child never got a chance to live out their lives. And because of this, they will remain amongst the living, roaming aimlessly, unable to reincarnate. Basically, it's more of a sad story rather than scary, haunted babies. This is where the sorcerers and monks try to give meaning to the child's soul by having kind-hearted people in need sort of adopt them into their lives. These baby souls will then help their so-called owner, which sort of ends up like a win-win situation. You help me, I help you. You need to make sure you care for the soul of the baby and do rituals for it, and in return, you get good luck. Now, as for raising these baby ghosts, same idea, different approach. Since its origin, these raising baby ghost rituals have sort of evolved and have been seen as evil and not in line with teachings of actual religion. Thailand is very Buddhist, so people who choose to raise these ghosts prefer to do it in private. They don't talk about it as it may bring negative attention. Golden boys are rumored to really bring good luck, and come on, if you can get good luck, would you not want to try it out? But what if you didn't happen to have an unfortunate baby soul just there within reach for you to adopt? Well, remember the whole thing with ghost marriages? When people run out of things they need, somebody somewhere will create the opportunities. So yeah, basically people have been known to go around maybe kidnapping and killing babies and children just so they could use their souls. Some people even purposefully cause pregnant women to miscarry just so they could take the soul of the baby for their own. These are not good spirits. For one thing, murder. Murdered souls tend to seek revenge and carry hatred. And these people who use the souls of these murdered children will then feed off the negative energy to make their wishes come true or become more powerful. Just imagine a child with a terrible temper. The more angry and vengeful they are, the more powerful and destructive they are. They don't differentiate between good or evil. To these souls, it's just a temper thing. Many people who have had experience with raising ghost babies either end up way worse or end up dead. In contrast, a golden boy is much easier to handle, where you are respectful to them and they in turn respect you. Both of these require Buddhist monks to cleanse the souls of the babies, and with the golden boy, it is more to purify them and to put them at ease. Of course, nowadays, no one uses actual baby corpses for this tradition. Some use surrogate dolls. Some have a baby carved out of wood and put in a safe place. Some just wear amulets with a baby carved on it. Times have changed, and it is also probably illegal to actually keep a baby corpse in your house. In different societies, there are different ways and steps to adopt the souls. In some places, you must perform a 49-day ritual after the baby's death, and within 7 days of the child's burial, you must obtain their birth date and time and carve it into a wooden plaque. This is seen as a way to trap the soul. Therefore, the soul will belong to you. When you eat, you must set out an extra set of plates and, well, in this case, probably chopsticks, so the spirit can sit down and eat with you. This is how you show them respect, by inviting them to your table. The biggest issue with these baby souls is that they never got a chance to live. Some people who believe in reincarnation believe that it takes a lot to reincarnate back into a human being. If you were a terrible person in your past lives, you are more likely to reincarnate into animals or insects. So hey, getting a chance to be human is great, but when this chance gets cut short because of accidents, abortions, or murder, it's not great for the baby. I've heard scary stories of raising baby ghosts as a child, and I've personally never encountered anyone who's done this Or maybe I have, but I just didn't know. But here are some stories of people who may have done so and their experiences. In the year 2009, there was a fire at a high-end nightclub called Santika, located in Bangkok. The death toll amounted to 61, and more than 200 people were injured. One of the survivors, the club's DJ, later told reporters that he managed to escape without any injuries because his golden boy had protected him. I mean, could have been luck. Could have been the golden boy watching him. Who knows? The next story is more of an urban legend, so take it as you wish. An older woman was working as a sex worker, but because of her age, she was having trouble finding clients. She had heard rumors of this golden boy and how it brought good luck so she managed to find and buy a baby ghost from thailand and supposedly it was in the form of a potted plant except there were baby remains inside the pot creepy but okay she kept the plant on the table and every two weeks she would extract blood from herself and inject it into the potted plant like feeding it blood To her surprise, the baby ghost began helping her in weird ways. Or so the legend goes. No, it didn't turn back time or make her look younger. Instead, it changed how men saw her. When men looked at her, instead of seeing her for her actual age, they would somehow see a young, beautiful woman. Their perception was altered. This definitely helped her get more clients, and she was taking on more than she could handle. But one night, she began to have nightmares. In her dream, a baby would constantly ask her for food, telling her it was so hungry, asking her to feed it. The baby would then open its mouth and show sharp teeth tainted with blood. She shot up in bed, and after analyzing her dream, she realized, because of how busy she'd been, she had forgotten to feed the plant for two whole months. So what do you think she did? Honestly. I don't know what would have been a better decision, but because she was scared to death, she decided then and there that she would get rid of the plant and never go down this path again. But you can't start something like this and then just walk away like nothing ever happened. Her luck changed. She lost her wealth. Everything was going wrong for her to the point where she almost lost her life. She tried everything hoping to find a way to release this spirit, and although she managed to free herself in the end, she was never the same again. Truth or fiction, I have no idea. But this is the typical storyline of a person adopting a ghost baby, and then things going horribly wrong. If you're not willing to keep at it, don't go for it. One more story. There was a celebrity from Hong Kong named Pauline Chan, She was born in 1973 in Shanghai, but later moved to Hong Kong when she was around 12. She began her modeling career when she was about 15, and was signed on as a celebrity after she participated in the Miss Asia competition when she was only 17. Some of her first movies were mostly low-budget B-grade movies that involved nudity. In a good way, though, it brought her instant fame, but after she obtained her fame, she tried to change her public image by appearing in other types of movies, more mainstream and popular movies. Unfortunately, the transition didn't work very well, as her image was already set in stone in the minds of the people. Not only did her career end up not working out for her, she also had a terrible time with love. She had a few boyfriends during her early 20s, and none seemed to work out. Then a man, many years older than her, took her in as his goddaughter. But it was a sketchy relationship, and everybody gossiped about them, saying that there's no way they weren't sleeping with each other, all that. The godfather continued to insist that nothing ever happened between the two, but honestly, no one really knows for sure, and I also don't think it really matters. She had a few more failed relationships, and finally, in her late 20s, while she was living in Taiwan, she started seeing a Taiwanese DJ. She got pregnant, gave birth when she was 29, and a month after giving birth, she jumped off her 24th floor apartment. Now, yes, it's an overall sad story, and it is also very likely she could have had postpartum depression. It was like 20 years ago, and I wasn't able to find out if she was ever diagnosed with anything. I wouldn't be surprised though, If she never went to therapy, nor got help because Asians. But here's something else. During one of her interviews back in the 90s, she actually told reporters that she, in fact, had a ghost baby she was raising. She told reporters that the spirit protected her, and the spirit was kept in a little Buddha-like statue in her home. It was rumored that she also traveled to Thailand to help her advance in her career and her love life. But somehow, none of it seemed to work. She began to behave erratically towards the end of her life, constantly disrupting others in public, getting into fights, using drugs, and just causing trouble in general. It was rumored that she led in the wrong spirits, and instead of helping her in her life, they were overtaking her and causing her to act out and eventually commit suicide. Because we're in 2019, I tend to lean towards her having mental health issues, but of course, I can't rule anything out. I wasn't there, I don't know the specifics of her life, but I do hope people don't disregard the possibility of mental illness. Pauline Chan was not the only celebrity to be associated with this, and certainly not the only one to have died from the association. It's eerie and weird, I admit but knowing that I will never actively seek this out or want to get involved in this kind of mess brings me peace. So there you have it, the weird tales and superstitions of the Golden Boy. Would you ever want to give this a go? What if you were at an all-time low, would you consider? Although the legend of the Golden Boy started out rather neutral and kind of benevolent, it has since evolved into something that is more evil than good. It takes a lot to care for pets and babies, but I cannot imagine having to care for something like this. One wrong move and your life could fall into pieces. If you're forgetful, then this is not something you should try. Well, that was my Halloween contribution. I hope you enjoyed learning more about morbid Asian traditions and I will continue to dig up more topics to share with you all. Before I go, I'd like to finish this episode off with questions I've received from my listeners and friends. Here goes. Izzy asks, What do you normally do on a Friday night? I'm a total homebody, so the answer to that is I'm usually home, chilling, and relaxing. Um, so boring. Sorry. Would you ever want to be a full-time podcaster? The truth is, I hate working my 9-to-5 job. It's not horrible, but I just don't like it. So, in a sense, yes, I would love to. But it's kind of like taking a big risk. I'm not able to produce weekly episodes, and that to me is something that I have to do in order to go full-time. So I either have to quit my job and take the risk, or I continue whatever I'm doing right now. I mean, it's working out, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. The host of Stories After Dark, a true crime podcast about the Philippines, asks, Any advice for a fellow Asian starting out as a true crime mystery podcaster? Well, first of all, you're doing a really good job, and I think... You're probably the only one in the Philippines doing it, so good job on that. Aside from producing good content, I think it's really important to interact with podcasters and listeners. Follow them on social media, reach out to them, to exchange promos, tag them on social media, write emails, I think all that really works. I was lucky, and many podcasters helped me immensely during the first stages of my podcasting career. Well hobby career, so I couldn't have done it without them. Minna from True Crime Finland asks, What's your favorite episode of all the ones you've done? So we're picking favorites. Uh, sometimes I like the topic, but the info is scarce, so that affects how, how much I like it, but I do like how I structure my urban legends episodes. Favorite True Crime episode might be episode 28, where I talk about Lin Jun, uh, Luca Magnata's victim. Because it's a bit different from my usual episodes. Non-true crime-wise, I actually liked the ghost marriage one. I was really fascinated as I was researching it. Stuart asks, what in the last two years was your favorite to research? I think anything I didn't know much about was fun. Like I said, the ghost marriage one, the royal massacre, I mean, I never even heard of that, and the Visconde murders, which I also didn't know. Those with conspiracy theories and twists and turns are fun, but man, they're so hard to write. Josh asks, any thoughts about doing crimes from the U.S.? Yes, of course, or anywhere else. I've done a couple from Australia where the victims or, you know, the perpetrators or, you know, someone is Asian, doesn't matter who. If there's an Asian connection, I'll do it. I just don't want to stray from my original idea. And plus, there are so many US based podcasters already, and they all do a really good job. Kylie asks, What's the one superstition or legend story that truly scares you? Or do you not believe in them? Hmm, there's a Chinese saying that I might have mentioned before that goes something like better to have an open mind than to not believe at all. So that's how I approach superstitions. I don't follow every single one of them, but I don't go against it on purpose because you never know what's out there. I do get scared sometimes when I'm alone in bed in the dark and suddenly I remember a scene from a movie or from an urban legend. I am definitely scared of the Tsukima Onna from episode uh, 20, I think. You know how sometimes you're sitting alone and you feel like you're being watched. I always think about something watching me from the closet gaps or the gaps between, like, the drawers or the bed. Who? Leanne asks, out of all the cases that you've done, which one disturbed you the most and why? Um, definitely one of them would be Furuta Junko because, um, because, I mean, the girl went through so much. I sometimes work my imagination into the cases when I research for too long, so I end up cringing really hard when I think about the details. Also the case on Ouchi Hisashi. He was the guy that went through the nuclear accident. That one was uh, pretty difficult to do, especially looking at his photos. I just kept imagining his life draining away while he was forced to stay alive. That's more torture than medical treatment anyway. Ugh. Well, that's what I've got, and I hope you've gotten to know me just a little bit more. I'm pretty boring in general again, so don't expect too much interesting info from me, but I am pretty nice, so please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. I know that I owe some of you emails, so do not worry, I will get to you very, very soon. Thank you all again for allowing me to exist in the podcast world. None of this would ever be possible without your help and your support. Happy two-year anniversary to me, and happy Halloween to everybody else. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com.